Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is December the 7th, 2022, 6.52 p.m. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and as always, I'm here with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, what is the significance of today, December 7th? Come on now. You're a history buff. Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor Day. That's right. Hey, they will live in infamy. Yep. See? Yeah. Well, boom. We're already on it. All right. Well, I just want to say thank you to any veterans and anybody, a family of veterans that are listening, you know, um, take this moment to remember Pearl Harbor, what it meant to us and how uh, resolute uh, some people can be in attacking others. Um, yeah. Just leave it at that. Uh, moving forward today, though, um, I tell you what, Brandon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest here. November is not was not a fun month for me trading wise. And December is just picking right up where November was for me. Yeah. Now, I had a great first half of the year. We called everything. It seemed like we, I, we couldn't lose there for January was rough for me. I remember January being rough. But then I started getting in a groove, and we just couldn't call anything wrong for a while. We're on a hot streak. And then uh, now all of a sudden I'm in, I'm in a rough spot again, and I got I got to get my way out. But I am positive on the year. I am up on the year by by quite a bit. So I'm very happy with my yearly return so far. Um, but Tesla's Tesla's back down again for me. Right after on on Friday, we I got on here. It's like, hey, I might sell it. I'm about breaking even here. I'm gonna hold it, see what happens. Big mistake. I should have just sold because, yeah, it just dropped on me. And uh, now now I have a chance to dollar cost average again. Let's get that. So you're looking. You're, you're looking. At, you're looking at this as a trade, and, and I know Tesla is is not something that I should normally give advice on, given my track record with it. <laughs> But right. I'm going to give some advice here. California, who knows if they're going to do the 2035 thing or not. Eventually, that's probably going to be a law once they're able to do it that all California vehicles are going to be electric. Eventually, the United States is going to be mostly electric altogether. Buy Tesla and stop looking at it. You know, <laughs> hold it for 20 years. I shouldn't say stop looking at it. Watch the quarterly reports and stuff like that. Check in with it quarterly and just don't touch it. Who cares no, no. if it's up or down? It's got a high beta. It's got high volatility. It's going to move 20, 30, 50%, whatever. Just leave it. And, and I would agree with you, except that I entered into it thinking it would be a trade. Yeah. And that was the problem with me doing it this time. Uh, as a long, Do I want to just call it a long-term investment and just let it go? Maybe, but I entered into it thinking it would be a trade, and I'm I'm kind of s- feeling stuck, if, if you will, in in the in that trade there, you know. But yeah, it is what it is, right? It is yeah, what it is. It is what it is. It's it's one of All those. Right, so you know, I just think that like with Tesla, I mean, at times it looks really overvalued, but sometimes you just have to like sometimes it's the what you buy and not the when you buy it, right? Like if it's an investment, sometimes the the what matters more. Gotcha. Yep. And I, I uh, we're going to talk about two companies that are overvalued by a lot later on here in this podcast, guys. But uh, let's go over the rules. Rules, rules, rules. Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. We do not actually discuss it. You hear the live discussion back and forth here on the show. Brandon, Brandon, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us off here because I I teased this last time saying I would look into this and see 
what what happened with this company what went wrong why why was this company just going down and down and down so after looking into it, it was a very simple answers there was a couple of different answers and it was very simple very basic answers and i just did not do enough research at the beginning when i when we were talking about it over the summertime saying hey this solid company seems to be doing well i i should have done more research at that time so let me talk about crowdstrike right so if you don't know crowdstrike is a cybersecurity firm how they make money, they sell their service. They have subscription services and, and other services. But the subscription services is what really drives the revenue of this company. So then they call it the ARR, the annual recurring revenue, is how they uh, report it in their in their in their earnings report. So the ARR is a big number, right? How many net new subscriptions? So this is now sounding like it's a Netflix thing, right? They're talking about subscriptions. And that's a big number in the earnings report. So CrowdStrike's uh, subscriptions, yes, they added 1,460 new subscriptions in in their uh, last earnings report. However, the same time last year, they added 1,600 new subscriptions. So it's a little bit down. They did beat on top and bottom line numbers um, when it came to uh, the, their last quarter's earnings reports. So you ask it. Uh, you ask, okay, if they beat top and bottom line, why did the stock drop eighteen percent based off the last earnings reports? Well, when I when you dig just a little bit deeper, you don't need to dig that far. What they're coming out and saying is because year over year the net new subscriptions are down, they they're seeing that the larger companies are no longer buying, say, a, a year subscription or a three year subscription. The larger companies are buying a six month subscription or a three-month subscription. So they're losing those longer deals, and CrowdStrike is fearing that this is part of uh, a re overall recession to the economy. This is their term. This is their terminology in their earnings report, not mine. Uh, an overall uh, downturn in the economy, and thus companies are going to spend less on cybersecurity. And that's why they're doing shorter subscription services and not signing up for the year or two year long and that's why they're getting fewer net newer subscription services. Now, let's go uh, real quick. I know you want now go ahead and talk why I look at the seller stats. Well, it just I think that what that is is that's companies trying to save money on their quarterly reports. They're going to they're going to sign back up for it. I think it's trying it's companies trying to save money on on quarterly reports. So, you know, instead of paying for it all up front for one year, they'll they'll pay a little less for 6 months, but I think they're going to sign back up. There, there is absolutely no good reason, even in a recession, for any company to cut cybersecurity uh, in this environment while we're digitizing, while we're all going online, and while everybody that's in business has to survive on the internet. So I, I would agree with you, but let me go into the more of this ARR here, right? I, I like your point. Your point is good. You, you do have to, and you, this could be people just trying to shore up their own uh, books uh, for for stockholders so that they can uh, keep their share price higher. Now, their, 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 their overall recurring revenue, the annual recurring revenue, the subscriptions was $2.34 billion. That's up 54% year over year. That should be good, right? That should be excellent. The problem is that when a CEO of a, a company that has yet to be profitable because they are a newer company, they have yet to be profitable since coming out and, and, and listing, 
has says that hey, we got some headwinds coming up. I know we haven't broken a profit yet, but uh, you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a little loose, a uh, little little heavier at that time before this uh, this quarter, this uh, last quarter uh, quarterly earnings report. The PE uh, ratio adjusted for GAAP was seventy four. Oh, so they were expecting large growth to continue, and that's why it was such a high ratio. They were expecting the growth, and so that's that's it. That's seventy four is what you give a brand new startup that is just growing at like eighty percent a year. That that's when you buy in that seventy four uh, PE ratio. Now when and that's what CrowdStrike was. They're up fifty four percent year over year, right? Yeah, but is fifty four percent year over year? Does that does that actually equal a seventy four ratio, PE ratio? And everybody was saying it's overvalued. It needs to come down a little bit more and adjust for where it's at now, and adjust for fifty percent growth and not a 90 percent growth anymore. And and that's why the stock, I believe, has come down is because of those numbers. And that makes sense, and it's still seems to be a little bit overvalued for today's market. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, I mean, they had a hundred and yeah, they more than doubled their earnings year over year. So that's, that's great. Uh, but at a certain point, you know, people were paying for companies and looking four or five years out and they were paying that price today, but now that's not the case anymore. You know, when the when the bear markets hit, then everybody starts to shore in and become a little less risk tolerant. And you see the non-profitable companies, especially, you know, any company that may have to raise revenue in the future with higher interest rates, those values are going to come down and crowd strikes come down with it. Um and well, you also gotta look at like companies like Walmart. Now they just I reported on this earlier in the year, uh, spring or actually it was winter, it was February. I reported on the fact that Walmart just created a whole cybersecurity division. They hired ten thousand people and just created a whole division. Yeah, just for that. But CrowdStrike's really good at network cybersecurity and uh, really good at using AI to predict within a nanosecond what hack- hackers are trying to do and what the, what they're going to do and blocking it from happening. So it's a premium cybersecurity company. So at a point you have to think like, okay, paying a premium for this, not that bad, uh, especially when EPS growth is relatively high. I think ev- eventually they grow into their earnings at this point. Well, see, and that's what everybody else was thinking, and that's why people were still buying when the P.E. ratio was 74, which has come down because the stock price has come down. But, you know, at, at what at what what point does that ratio start to equal out? Okay, this is a good time to get in because now it's worth where it's going to grow into. Yeah. I I would look more. Let's see. Where's it at right now? 11319. <sighs> You know, uh, this is it's down forty three and a half percent for the year. Not as bad as some of its other, you know, um, colleagues, and it's uh, in the tech industry. Uh, I if if it went under a hundred, I would start to think about buying. Personally, gotcha, gotcha. <clears throat> so under a hundred, is, where, out to is buy where you it. would think it. Yeah, and I'm not rushing out to buy it personally. I think there's other guaranteed plays, um, and and I have them, like Google, for example, 
in the tech industry uh, specifically. But uh, people used to think Amazon was a guaranteed play, but I mean, look look at its stock price the past six months. I still think it is. <laughs> if you've got a twenty year time horizon, who cares? If yeah, I mean, if you have a twenty year time horizon, then yes, yes, yeah. Yes. But a lot of people nowadays, with uh, the way that people are trained of, you know, the short term attention span, people like to day trade in and out, in and out, in and out, which is what I, I do. But I also balance that out with my long term investments. But everybody's looking for that quick buck right now. And nobody wants to sit on a 20, 10 year. Yeah, and that's true. But not ever and not everybody's like you as far as being good at that. Most people make bad trades in the long term. <laughs> right. Um, and that's where the long term investors come in and take advantage of that. You know? So yep. when, when you start to buy it at a good price because everybody's oversold it on a swing trade or a day trade or whatever. Um there's Man, I would kill to be 18 right now. 18, 19. I love the fact that you are uh you're raising your daughter to invest because I mean just think about it. Like if you're 18 years old, you've got like a 50-year time horizon in the market until you're in your 60s. Uh man, there's going to there are going to be multiple multi-million dollar opportunities that come into your hands when you're yeah. 18. Yeah, if you're just putting away like a quarter of your uh your money. I tell you what. I this is that reminds me. Uh, this is this is why it's good to teach your kids, guys, how to invest. So I've taught my daughter how to invest. I've talked about it on here. I have the trust fund for her and all that, and and she does her own investing. Um, she recently had a uh, a car issue. Something broke on her car that she has, mm -hmm. and uh, she just pulled money from her stock account and fixed her own car herself at seventeen years old. I don't know any other seventeen year old. That can pull out like six, seven hundred bucks to go fix their own car, no. and do it themselves and handle it all themselves. I, I I don't know any. I personally, I never met one. All my money went to really stupid things when I was right. Like <laughs> I'm with you, yeah. And so, very proud of her for that. But like, that's why you teach your kids these things yeah. and, and and to grow and invest, like you said. But. People don't want to hear us talk about this. People want to hear us talk about the markets and where we're at now. So CrowdStrike. You're saying you wait for it to go down a little bit more. I'm just explaining what happened, why there are headwinds, and why this has gone down recently, and and trying to give people some light as to why you know we thought it was a, I thought it was a good solid play back then, but it was overvalued. So, and it still could turn out to be like if you bought it back then and you know you hold it for a while, you might make your money back and then some. You know, I still I still think it's a good company. Um, and and maybe you could even buy it now, but uh, it just depends on what your time frame is. If right. it's in the next six months, probably not. All right, so let's transition into uh, another company that I know is your, is your your favorite company of all time, and you've been a fan of everybody's bought it, and you have never made fun of them on stock twits at all. Um, we're going to talk about GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon has trolled the apes on GameStop on StockTwits many, many times. And so I, I do want to talk about GameStop because they came out with some earnings today. Uh, do you have anything to say before I get into the numbers, Brandon? I'd rather buy Zimbabwe dollars. <laughs> uh, they, they might be worth more. Who knows? Um, so <laughs> I'm coughing now. That's making me laugh too hard. GameStop reported a third quarter revenue of $1.186 billion, which was down from $1.29 billion 
the prior year's quarter. What a surprise. Revenue came down. However, GameStop reported a third quarter net loss of 31 cents per share, which missed the analyst estimates of 28 cents per share. So why is that a big deal? You're asking like, oh, they had a loss, you know, 31 cents. Well, it's a big deal because GameStop's earnings have continually gotten worse and worse and worse and worse over time. This is the first time in a while that they have improved their earnings. So they improved it in quarter two, and then now they've improved it in quarter three. That's two quarters in a row. They have improved their earnings. They stopped the bleeding, and now they're starting to turn it back. It's still not near profitable. They still were eating through, what, $600 million of cash uh, that they had saved up from selling stock shares, and uh, they just burned right through that. And they are not, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't see a way for this company to continue. I think they're holding on with all life, hoping that the stock goes up to $400 a share again. Yeah, there's going to be a handful of retail companies that go bankrupt if we do have a deeper recession. GameStop will be one of them. Uh, Belk might be another just off the top of my head. Bed Bath & Beyond for sure is, is right on the top of that list. Uh, there, there's no good reason to buy a GameStop. Yeah, there's no good, no good reason to trade it or buy it. It's too volatile to trade it. You can't guess it. You're going to lose your money. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would just stay away from it. But I just wanted to mention because we, we've, we've dogged them, but we've dogged them for good reason on the show that their earnings kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse, and people kept buying it. And I, I will admit they have, they have two quarters now of improvement in their earnings. Still negative, still lost, but improvement nonetheless. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, they do sell an NFT or something. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know that that's a good question there. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's improvement, Brandon. You got to give improvement where, where it happens and you got to give credit where it's due. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, Brandon, you got next, you got next topic, man. Go ahead. That, that's You're my two in, starters. My lead off as, as you did last quarter. Good job. <laughs> You're a little less terrible. <laughs> all right dave you know as well as i do when i when i say this i'm telling the truth i i really don't care for analyst predictions i i care for the reasons a lot but like opinions are a dime a dozen um i stumbled upon this book uh the other day and and don't go try and buy it because if you try to buy the book it's out of print um, but it's it's a Wall Street favorite, and you can tell it's a Wall Street favorite because if you go try to buy a book like new, uh, in in as and by that I mean like uh, in new condition, this this book is a hundred to one in the stock market. It's by Thomas W. Phillips. In like new condition, you're going to pay over six hundred dollars. So that tells what? you like the kind of premium that people are putting on this yet. You can go to Audible and get the audiobook for like 20 bucks, which also tells you people are really stupid with their money sometimes. <laughs> Just go to Audible, 20 bucks right there. But it tells you all you need to know about the uh, the stock market too. And, and, you know, the smart money, it doesn't really exist. Um, but you can take advantage of it if, if you're buying and holding. And, and sometimes even if you're trading, that market, market pendulum goes from undervalued to overvalued fairly quickly sometimes and, and there's multiple pendulums in the market there's a short-term medium term and long term right um but 
I'm going to paraphrase here. There's a quote here that like kind of brings it all home as to why the opinions really shouldn't matter to you. And, and think about how bull markets come about. Now think about how the highs in those bull markets where nobody should be buying come about also. Those bull market highs happen when the broad consensus is that stocks are going to continue to easily go higher. And then the outlook and the opinions are more convincing when we're at the very top, when nobody should be doing anything except for selling, right? Houses never go down in value. <laughs> right. right. I've never heard of Goldilocks economy before. But on that top swing, if you're looking like at a chart of the S&P 500, pick the top of it. That's when the great majority of the people were the most bullish. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been there. So you have to you have to find your own good reasons for buying stocks. Now, on conversely, bear market lows, this is when everybody's screaming sell and run for the hills. And this is when everybody's the most bearish. And when those bearish opinions of analysts are more readily and more easy, more easy, easy to find. And when they're the most convincing. So what do you do with that? Right. If you're trying to really buy low and sell high, that's the old phrase. You got to really just do your own research. And instead of trying to figure out where you think the market's going to go over the next six months to a year, if you're an investor, you just look for opportunities. The numbers won't lie to you. If you think Google, it's a good time to buy Google, you just buy it. Whatever political ideology you have, whatever ideology you have when it comes to investment, if if your rules of investing are substituting for your thoughts, you're in a dangerous position. You're going to miss a lot of opportunities. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I just want to say, man, piggyback on what you're you're saying here, and I, I know you're getting this from this book, and sooner or later you're going to give us the title of this book. But um, it's what was the title? One in the stock market. One hundred and one. Okay, one hundred and one in the stock market. I will I will throw out this little fact I read today that uh, two hundred seventy thousand homes in the United States that were purchased this year are now underwater. Ooh, wow! Two hundred seventy thousand underwater this year because they were purchased this year and the, and the home prices have gone down. I will also say that uh, credit card debt has uh, gone up by ten billion in the United States this past month. Gone up <laughs> by ten billion in credit card debt. Unbelievable. A firm stock price went from $100 a share this past summer down to $10, $10 or $11 a share now. You know, the guys, uh, vehicle vehicle loans, again, up by billions. Um, people taking out loans on vehicles. Inflation means that people are going to be not going to be able to pay all their bills. They're going to make cuts. <laughs> the market has to adjust eventually eventually people have to stop buying they're going to run out of credit and they're going to be like i can't put any more on my credit card just get another credit card well i can't anymore because they raised uh you know the 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 ability they raised the requirements to get it and so now all of a sudden people are going to start actually feeling the hurt and i don't know how how much more the u.s household can continue continue to raise the, how much debt they carry but they still are continuing to raise the household debt in America month over month. And eventually it's got to break. It's got to break, Brandon. Yeah, it's wild. And you know what? I'm, I'm with you on this. I do think that we're probably going to go into a deeper recession. Um, I don't know that that's the case because I can't, I have not been armed with the sixth sense of telling the future. 
Um, so all I can do is look at stocks and then say whether they're a good deal or not. Now, my prediction of us going to 4,400 and the uh, S&P 500 in December seems like it's completely shot in the head right now. I feel like that's probably completely dumb, you know, done for, but I didn't, I didn't make any investment decisions off that. So I'm fine. Um, I, you know, I sat there and I started thinking the other day, like, what are, what's the best advice that I can give? And I posted it on Facebook and Twitter too. And I put, put a decent amount of time. So I'm interested in your opinions as to what I'm about to say, Dave. So, number one, arm yourself with knowledge. Read, soak up as much knowledge as you can about investing. That's number one. It's the most important thing. It's the most important thing that you can do. Number mm -hmm. two. Amen. Number, number two, timing the market is rather essential if you're looking to outperform the markets. And it can be done correctly only after you've armed yourself with enough knowledge to be more intelligent than the average investor. However... What you buy is more important than when you buy it. Okay, so, so all right, you saved yourself for that last line. You saved yourself, yeah. but you started off by saying time in the markets. And here's where I disagree with you on this. Uh, as someone who has lost a lot of money early on in in trading, this is I'm talking about early 2000s where you could it was you're an idiot if you didn't make money, but. Yeah. Um, as someone who lost money during that time, that Goldilocks period, I can tell you that, you know, if you try to time, it's just never, it doesn't always work out. It doesn't work out usually, now, now especially for retail traders, especially for retail traders. It so, doesn't work out time in the market. Now, if you're, if you're looking at now, I say that if, by my definition of timing is when you're trying to call an exact bottom or call yeah, an exact top. Exactly. That's my definition of how I define timing. So if you're trying to time the market, then you're, you're going to be unsuccessful more than you are successful. Um, and so that's 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 hard to do. Now, what you said at the end there kind of erases everything you said before. And so I, I like the last comment. To a certain extent. So you're, in this situation, let's, let's not talk about like trying to find the exact bottom because it's impossible. Now, you said that, um, you know, over those years you were talking about, you had to be really dumb to not make money. Think about the person that bought in like 2009. How stupid did they have to be to not make money if they held on? And, and this is a weird inverse kind of question because they were probably really intelligent if they were buying in 2009. But how easy buying a good company in 2009 until like 2020? I mean, you just made tons of money. You just had to buy and hold. Right. Because they did the inverse of what, you know, the CNBC guys and what, you know, the analysts were telling them to do. Um, they did the exact opposite. And I think right now, like, Hey, don't try to time the market, but there's a lot of stuff that's out there. That's of good value at this point in time, even though, uh, some of the stuff has came up 20 to 30% in a month and a half. Um, and even though we're not, you know, near the August or, or June, I mean, June lows or, or whatever, still right now, like over the course of years and years, Missing out on 10% is not going to bug you that much. Um, I, I know it sounds like 10% oh, that sucks, but you know if you're looking at a chart and you say, oh, this, this company's came up 10% over the past year, that's not a reason. That's not a reason to not buy it. You know, A reason to not buy it would be that it's overvalued. If it's not overvalued, still buy it, right? You still buy a good company. And I think that there's 
there's a decent amount out there right now for any 18 or 19 year old, especially that's got, you know, a very long time horizon or Hey, if, even if you're in your thirties, like us, you could go out picking stocks and, you know, by the time you're retired, you're going to love the fact that you did it. We're in a bear market right now. Eventually that market's going to swing right back to bullish again. So, but you know, you have to arm yourself with the knowledge. We talked about the, you know, um, in the past, I, hit, I say that a lot that we've talked about things in the past because, but we put over like a thousand five hundred hours of content out. We talked about a lot of stuff in the past, Dave. But um, you know, timing the market in the sense that you know that we are in a bear market, in a sense that when I was telling you back in December, January of last year that we were in the end stages of a bull market, it was easy for me to tell because. You know, the Federal Reserve was looking at raising rates. Now we're at the tail end kind of of, of raising rates. Um, probably not the tail end of of, of tightening, um, of quantitative tightening. But um, we're at the point right now where I, I still think that you could start buying into this market. Uh, and over the course of 10 to 20 years, you're going to be okay. So arm yourself with enough knowledge to beat the average investor. Your intelligence in the market has to be uncommon. The average investor cannot beat the market averages over time. Think about what I just said. The average investor cannot beat the market averages over time. The math doesn't, doesn't add up, Dave. If you're the average investor, you're not going to beat the market averages. You're just going to be in yeah. line at best. I I will say it took it took a lot of years for me to be able to, to do it and a lot of experience and knowledge. Uh, but yes, yes, you are right. The average investor cannot beat the the market over time. I will say this: uh, if we're giving out tips and to new people, I have a, a new uh, gentleman that I'm mentoring right now and trying to help and help with uh, brand new to investing and everything. And uh, some advice I gave to him is he put some money into an account and he was adding more each paycheck. And he and he came to me every, almost like every other day and he's like, "Hey, we, you got anything to invest with yet? You got anything to invest with it? You got any?" And I had to explain to him. I said, "Look, you cannot always." feel the need to be in something. Yes, exactly. You have to be okay just sitting in cash because you have to wait for the right opportunity instead of just putting your money in something now because you feel like you have to be invested in something now. Wait for the right opportunity, then buy it and hold it. Yes. You always start by teaching people to buy and hold because if you can learn that, then you could break off and start doing some day trades. Brandon did the opposite. Brandon started off with options and went crazy for about a year and a half. <laughs> well, really, I started with investing and then I went in. It's, I, I've been investing more. Off. I just came back to investing. I wanted to be good at options and I sucked at it at the very beginning. I was absolutely awful at it. And I wanted to be good at it, just passable. I wanted to be able to beat the indexes. And once I... Once I became, uh, you know, proficient enough to beat the indexes, I stopped because I didn't want to die twenty years early. Right, because like the, the stress time. on you from <laughs> options is crazy, and yes, you ended up beating them. What well, you had like what twenty five percent return versus a twenty percent return, but the stress was not worth it. Where you could have done the same by just investing. It was thirty versus twenty eight. I think the S and P was twenty eight percent. I beat it by two percent. <laughs> See, right? It's and the stress wasn't worth it. You could have just put your money in the S and P and forgot about it. Right. Boom. Right. And there were some days where I was like, "Oh my gosh, I just had a two hundred percent gain. That was amazing." And there are other days like I was down one hundred ninety percent. Oh no! <laughs> it just gave everything back. All right. right. 
you know what? And and yeah, you don't always have to be in everything. That's why I didn't buy Google, you know, two years ago. I bought it now because I like the value now. Although two years ago we were sitting about flat as to where we're at now. But uh, the earnings and uh, versus the price, it just makes more sense to be in Google today than it did then. So um, what was the name of this book again? 100 to 1 in the stock market. So this is about increasing your earnings 100 times. What he This was actually written in the 1970s. So it's 1972. And what he did is he took a bunch of stocks and then figured out uh, the ones that uh, if you would invested in, at the 1932 lows or near the lows, and then sometimes he even goes up and says, well, if you would have invested in the highs in the 1930s, these are the stocks that would have increased your investment 100 fold. And there, there's a lot. Man. There's a lot in there. Now. Hopefully I, Gillette's I, in there. I, I want to tell you, like, let me just put this out there real quick, because you're going to. You're going to listen to this uh, audio book, and in the first couple of chapters, he's going to mention Xerox and Kodak. So, which, you know, we all know what's happened to Kodak in the uh, in, in the short term. Kodak, n- not very good. I know. tell you what, man, if you, I, I guarantee, Brandon, if you go to anybody who's 20 years or younger and ask him, what is Xerox? I half wouldn't know. Yeah, I, I well, if they work at FedEx, they might know. No, they, you say make a copy now. Yeah, I know. Nobody says Xerox. No one says make a Xerox. I know. I know. And that used to be like the, uh, you know, the the way to describe. They they lost in Xerox lost in court because uh, they tried to sue saying you can't copyright our name. And and everybody was like, no, it's in common use now. And they lost in the court of law. That's how popular it was. But now if you say it, people don't know what you're talking about. so what what this guy did though is he went back and first of all he talks about how like you do need to sell stocks sometimes that gold can sometimes turn into pennies and you just have to keep an eye out for this stuff and and just make sure that you know your company's earnings aren't uh topping out that they're not you know starting to steadily come down for investment reasons which an investment reason to him is something uh you know like a cancer of some sort in the finances of a company and what he's saying is that, like, if you're if you're investing for the long term, you never sell for a non-investment reason. And a non-investment reason would be the stock's gone down, or I'm in this stock and its peer has done so much better over the past two years. That's a non-investment reason, and 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 it shouldn't enter into your mind because, generally speaking, the value will catch up with it. If it's if it's undervalued, the value will catch up and you'll and you'll be fine over the long term. So you're not selling for a non-investment reason, right? And, and then a non-investment reason also would be like you made a really bad move and then you bought a bunch of stock in margin and now you have to uh, do a margin call. You have to make sure that, that doesn't happen too. Um, so, you know, while we're looking at at Xerox and, and looking at uh, Kodak too, and, and he mentioned Sears as well, which is another one that's like, okay, in 1972, that was great. And then, you know, 2022, not so much. Um, but he went back again to 1932. And out of all the stocks that he pulled, there were quite a few that went bankrupt. But the ones that didn't go bankrupt more than made up for the money that he would have lost in the ones that did. So, so you're not always going to have winners that are rocket to the moon, but 
you know, your, your averages would be great and you'll make a nice return. Right. right. And so what he's saying is that you go and you buy right by the right companies and your odds of your being in your favor of being a multimillionaire, if you hold through all of the volatility over years, the odds of you being a multimillionaire in decades even are actually really high. It's it's hard to teach diamond hands to people. I, well, and, di- unless they want to invest in a meme stock or something stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I agree. And we're we're talking to a particular person out there who we just loved as Mister Diamond Hands, and then all of a sudden they turned to uh, paper. Yeah, the one the one buddy though, like you know what? We we get a buddy that actually really does have diamond hands, and you know does actually buy the Apple and the Googles and, and all of that stuff and holds them no matter what. And he's never going to sell. And he actually texted me today and said, what do you think about Tesla? And I said, dude, with the way that you do things, do it. Like, right. Right. Now, the reason. Yeah. To wait. Um, because he actually does have those diamond hands. And he does do some things like play around with Doji and stuff. But, you know, if it's a small percentage of, your, of what you're, what you're doing and everything else that you're doing, uh, makes more sense than fine. Go to the casino. I don't care if it's like 10% of your money. It's not a big deal, but um, yeah. So anyways, that, that Mr. Diamond hands, I'll say his name. It's Tristan. <laughs> He's doing just fine. <laughs> He's doing good. We we like Tristan. He's been following us uh, since the old Facebook uh, group page days, you know, and he's not he's not selling this bear market. He's not letting his, you know, emotions or anything like that get the guy could look at his phone. He he has more discipline than most people would if they went into a, a coma for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's about right. It's about right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's see, where was I at? So arming yourself with enough knowledge to beat the average investor. That's that's where we're at here. Um, and, and then once you're in a bear market, like we are in today, instead of, instead of trying to time the bounce back exactly, your energy is best spent continuously looking for opportunity. If you're not willing to do any of these things, or if you don't have the time to arm yourselves with the necessary knowledge to try to outperform the markets, then you can accept that performing in line with the markets is going to be the best that you will do. That's fine. You're going to get on average about 10 to 12% every year. Now you'll have some years where you're going to be 28, 30% like we had on the S and P 500 uh, over the past years. And you're going to have some years like right now we're down 14%. That's going to happen, but it'll average out about 10 to 12% gains over the long haul. That's okay. People that don't have the time to devote themselves to being above average here. I don't have any kids. All right. Dave, you've got a daughter. You still somehow find time to do all this stuff, and I love that. Um, I, If I had children, I probably wouldn't be able to do this as well as I do. So I, I completely understand this. Now go ahead. I just teach her to do it so she can take care of me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, if that's the case for you, just pick, pick a low-cost index fund, invest quarterly or yearly, whatever time frame you choose. Try, don't try to time the markets, um, and, and maybe you just do this with SPY. There you go. I like it. I like it. Um, all right. So we're, we're getting ready to wrap up here, man. Uh, but, you know, did you have any other specific stocks or companies that you wanted to, to mention now to people listening? 
So you're asking me like what stocks I want to mention to people. And it's going to be high beta here. Uh, over the course of the next three to six months, you might, you know, have some tur turbulent waters. Maybe even over the year, you'll have a turbulent, you know, time. Uh, but I'm going to do something that I, I would not have in my right mind done in January of this year. Um, I'm going to do something. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to recommend uh, what CNBC won't recommend right now. Um, Fang. Yeah, I mean, everybody's been down on Fang, so that might be a sign that it's a time to get in on Fang. Yep. I think so. If you're a long-term investor, yeah, absolutely. Got them diamond hands. There you go, man. Chip away at the mine. Um, I, I do want to talk about a couple of things, guys. I want to bring some some headlines to, to light here. If you if you guys aren't checking out headlines uh, and reading in the things, uh, got, uh, got your Reuters subscription or what have you, uh, then you're missing out, especially if you want to learn how to trade and invest. You need to start reading some articles, start reading some uh, earnings reports. But uh, one one thing I want to mention here is there's a U.S. court that's weighing in on crypto ownership and bankruptcy. So all the Celsius and FTX and all those things that are happening right now, the United States court system is looking into uh, who actually owns cryptocurrencies on exchanges. Is it the exchanges themselves or is it the consumers who owns that? And it's because of Celsius bankruptcy filing chapter 11 has brought this all to light and attention. What does this mean to you? If you are had cryptocurrency in Celsius in the terms of service <laughs> of Celsius, Celsius actually owns that cryptocurrency if you lend it to them so that they can go ahead and give you those higher interest returns on them using it in other means so you actually don't own that anymore so you are back of the line when you're trying to recoup your money from chapter 11 it means you're getting pennies on the dollar um robin hood does now, the same thing yeah and if you own and, it through robin hood you don't own it anymore exact right and so you got to read your terms and conditions in terms of service because other companies such as ftx has it in there that you do own the cryptocurrencies so now when ftx files their chapter 11 bankruptcy and everything gets washed out of that the people who actually own the cryptocurrency actually owned it and uh, they did not loan it quote unquote to ftx to give out so ftx actually broke laws because of that and so read those terms of service because it's important and and when things like this happen like are you going to get just like a penny of each dollar you had or are you going to get like 60 70 percent of each of dollar you had it all depends on the terms of service. Read those. It makes a difference. It's in court right now. You can find the article. It's out there. Uh, another article I want to roll out is Boeing has just rolled off its last 747 ever that they're going to make. Uh, that was the last one. Came off the line. 60 years of production of Boeing 747 has now come to an end. They will no longer make that plane. Um, they are moving forward with 787s and other another plane uh, models, but the 747 they made their last one just this past week, and it is done. So no more 747s. Uh, I'm sure that last one will last a, a good ten years before it uh, is retired. But uh, you know, the fact that uh, they are not making any more, um, and they're moving forward with other ones. The Dreamliners, guys, if you haven't flown on a Boeing Dreamliner, it actually is a very smooth ride. I, I enjoy it. It's a big giant plane. Um, big giant planes kind of ride that air a little easier than those smaller ones. But you know, when you're flying private, it's uh, you don't have to deal with lines and other people. 
and people starting fights. So uh, there, there's a give and take. It's a little bit more bumpy, but I don't got to deal with uh, Joe down the street there. Yeah. Well, um, 787, so. I agreed. I, I actually had a very good time flying on that. But oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're smooth. End of an era. It, yeah, 60 years of production. Done. Oh. Crazy. All right, uh, Brandon, final thoughts? Fang. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I only own a couple of them, so I'm not trying to pump them all. <laughs> but gotcha. um uh and that's Facebook, Facebook and Google. Well, Meta, Meta platforms and Google. But um yeah, that's um just you have you have to think the next step ahead. You know, you have it just like you're playing chess. What's the next step? Where are we going from here? And uh it's not where have we been. We know where we've been. It's been a bad year for the NASDAQ. It's been a bad year for Fang. Where are we going? There you go. I like it. Um, I'm going to put this out here again. I put it out last year, guys. I'll do it again this year. If uh, you tell all your friends and you follow us on Instagram and you tell everybody you know and we get over 1,000 followers on Instagram, I will go ahead and we will randomly pick someone to win a pair of Ray-Ban Wayfarer smart glasses. Smart glasses where you take videos and pictures and record and everything with your glasses and it Bluetooths to your phone. Um, pretty cool gift. Pretty cool thing to have. Um, but we have to, we got to hit 1,000 Instagram followers uh, by New, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve at midnight. And then uh, I will give one away to one of our followers. So... I'm a follower, Dave. Can it be me? It could be you. Um, since it, it can't be me, since I'm the one in my account. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess it could be you technically, but we're not going to give it to you. Oh. Um, so it, tell your friends and family, guys. Follow us on Instagram. We enjoy it. I, I try. I'll try to post more for from now until the end of the month. Um, but please, let's get up to a thousand followers on there. That way, we could grow even faster and help more people because that's always our goal. All right, guys, as always, uh, we hope we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone else, to make who, money. Who else does this for free? Nobody else. No, Nobody else nobody does else it for does free, it. man. Everybody else is like, if you want more information, if you want us to really help you, sign up for our mentorship program. Starts off at $3,000. I'm not joking. Everybody laughs at that. Like, And... Uh, uh, I've had buddies who have actually spent $3,000 to sign up for stock uh, uh, companies that send out those stock alerts, buy this, buy that via email. And they said they've made money, right? So uh, we, we, Brandon and I, last year, we did a test. We asked our my friend Mark, hey, Mark, you've done these things before. We'll send you text messages to see if we can help you out just like uh, these other companies would have. And we did, and Mark made money. He yeah. made money with our trades, right? And so... Uh, you know, we can do it and uh, we can do it for free, but you just, you guys just got to DM us, message us, ask us. You know, we try to give general vague advice on here and sometimes we make calls, sometimes we don't um, because we're just trying to help the general uh, public a, a, as a whole. We're trying to lift everybody up. And so it's not always very specific by XYO company at this price. You know, it's not always that way. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. You know, teach a man to fish or woman to fish. Uh, and it, or, you know, um, or fish for them, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I would rather teach them to fish. That's it. And, and I don't, when I'm talking on this podcast, okay, w. On this podcast thank you. No, 
we don't always know, you know, what your risk tolerance is. So I'd rather teach you how to do things and let you do them yourself. That's thank you for butchering a very good saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I called you George Bush there, man. It was like, what's up, man? He's butchering a, a saying here. All right. Anyways, <laughs> on that note, have a good night, guys. Have a good night.